jambalaya and justice, personality and pokeballs, lingua and love, the Help Yourself Podcast, where in every episode, Brian and Nick invite you to help yourself to bite-sized philosophy. Welcome to Help Yourself, Food and a Philosophy with Brian and Nick. I'm Nick. And I'm Brian. In the immortal philosophy of Marshall Couch, maybe the real, insert objective here, were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> What's eating, Brian? That's awesome. I love I love uh, friends of the podcast that we can mention and talk about on the in the uh, just right from the get set or right from the get set, right from the outset. See, I'm no, already no, no get set. Mar- I love get know, set. Mar- Marshall isn't even here, and he's still messing me up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> tell me anyway. more about the inferiority complex you have with Marshall. Oh no, tell me about your lunch. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what am I eating today? Today I did a Brian's vegetarian adventure. I haven't done a Brian's vegan or vegetarian adventure for a long time. So that's true. At least, at least I feel like I haven't. So I went yeah, back to a company. What's that? Go ahead. Yeah. Stupid joke. Go on. <laughs> I mean, are there, are there anything other than stupid jokes on this podcast? Well, fair. I, I was simply <laughs> going to say that for those audience members who listen to our episodes out of order, mm. it may not seem like that. It may. That's true. But see, I was, you know what I have to say to that? that? You know what I have to say to that? I have to say, how dare they listen to him out of order? How dare they do that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, you can listen to him whatever order you want. Just listen. That's all I care. Just, just <laughs> whatever order you want. <laughs> anyway, all right. What am I eating? What way off the rails? I went back Brian's vegetarian adventure. I went back to a company that I've eaten some other of their dishes that are frozen dishes, and this is that tattooed chef company. And cool. this is a cauliflower pizza bowl and that's funny yeah well when i first around to show me their front and i'm like look reading the name you're reading the back back. oh yeah yeah you can see it anyway (laughs) i don't yeah anyway (laughs) so the the cool thing about this is that the pepperoni on it it has pepperoni on it but the pepperoni is plant-based pepperoni and so it's not vegetarian i mean excuse me it's not vegan because what i love farm-raised pepperoni (laughs) yeah exactly uh So it's it's not vegan because it has cheese on it. It's got the some mozzarella cheese on top of it. Oh, and provolone, and so uh, so it wouldn't be full vegan. But when I got this, I thought it was going to be like a bowl where the cauliflower is really like riced up, you know, really almost like a cauliflower crust kind of like where. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. It was literally pieces of cauliflower. Like it was eating pieces of cauliflower that were covered in cheese and pizza sauce and and plant-based pepperoni not to say that it wasn't good was it or is it was it i don't know the proper tense there but uh in a bowl like an actual it was was yeah it was in a bowl yeah it was in a little bowl and it's really honestly this is something if you're watching your calories it's super low in calories it's 230 calories for the bowl so it's almost like uh, i mean basically slightly more calories than maybe what you would eat in a snack or something like that you know it's not a not a huge amount um, it even does have some protein and some, you know, good, like good balance of protein, carbs, and fat in it. Um, but again, I'm probably going to be hungry here in the next little while. Um, I am going out to dinner with my wife tonight on a, 
sort of date night. So I'm trying to save a few calories for that because I know that restaurant might not be the best. So, um, or at least I'll try to make good choices, but, uh, but you know how it goes. So, but it was good. I will say that I, it, of course you have to like cauliflower, like unlike a cauliflower crust on a pizza, like you don't really necessarily have to like cauliflower to, you know, to, for, to actually enjoy that. Cause it, unless you right, really have to figure it. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't even know it's in there sort of, I mean, it's maybe a slight different in, difference in consistency, but in this, like this, if you don't like cauliflower, you're not going to like this bowl, but uh, but, but it was very enjoyable. If you want the flavor of pizza though, I mean, it, it really actually did come through on that and tasted like I, you know, had a slice of pizza or uh lasagna or some kind of Italian dish like that. So, so it gives you that craving, um, for not very many calories. So, um, so I, I definitely recommend nice. it. Yeah. Uh, and then tattooed chef, Calif- tattooed chef. Yeah. And they have, and they have a number of things. Tattoo Chef, if you go, I'll put the link in the show notes for their website, but they've got a bunch of things and a lot of them, I don't know if they're 100% vegan and vegetarian, but they have a lot of different frozen items that are, you know, that that uh, that direction if you want to either integrate some kind of vegan or vegetarian meal into your week or day, uh, or if you're full vegan or vegetarian and you just have to eat that way or want to eat that way all the time. So, um, so anyway, recommended there beverage corner. I did get a, I didn't, I didn't get a nitro brew this morning. I did get a Starbucks, but I I just got a, a cold brew actually this morning, which made me realize why I like the nitro cold brews so much. <laughs> because, oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, the main thing is that the, the cold brews come with ice in them. So it's a, you know, it's an iced coffee and those nitro cold brews come no ice and, um, they are a lot smoother. Like the, the flavor and everything else is a lot smoother than, I mean, noticeably smoother than just a regular iced coffee that you would get from Starbucks, uh, or cold brew or whatever. They mm-hmm. just not nitro cold brew, but just cold brew. Um, so it was good, but it was, a, it was a, uh, one of the featured items on their menu, which was a, a sugar cookie. A frosted sugar cookie. Um, <laughs> Nick just Nick just gave me eyebrows up. <laughs> like when when did the good choices come into play today? <laughs> yeah, that's that's happening. That, I'll make good choices at some point during the day. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I can't guarantee started, that. <laughs> clearly, lunch by by the time you got to lunch, you started making good choices. <laughs> right, right. Well, I had that, uh, and I didn't. I didn't get a large. I get a just a whatever the medium is there. I always forget the names, but, um, grande. Yeah. Grande. Thank you. Um, so, you know, so I got that and that was, that was, like I said, it was decent this morning, but it made me realize how much I like the, uh, the nitro cold brews. Um, and then I have my trusty bottle full of H2O. Um, just like again, Marshall would, uh, would be proud. Uh, I think maybe, I don't know. He'd probably stopped listening by this by this point in this podcast. So ever ever since you referred to him one time as infamous, he's claiming to be the villain of the podcast. I'm hoping we can change that to be the mascot of the podcast. Mascot or sidekick or like or uh, something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Okay, let's go with it. Second, the second and a half host. (laughs) We should. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The the. Friend of the friend of the pod uh, that yeah, we've maybe, made along the way. The real villains were the friends we made along the way. Right, right. So I've got my water. I've also got a. Actually, I'm going to open it right now. So if you hear it, 
There we go. That's it's, so satisfying. Uh, I know. It's called an Ourobora. I and love that name. It's a. Uh, it says it's a, um, a herbal sparkling water. So it's this one's lavender cucumber, and um, and it's just sparkling water. It's zero everything, zero calories, zero 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 zero, zero all the way down the, the list. Hmm. Um, it is whole thirty approved. Looks like it has the vegan symbol or vegetarian symbol. So it's everything pretty much, um, non GMO. Everything that is nothing. <laughs> everything. It's basically just you're paying for air. Um, at that point. <laughs> and then I have a thing Sparkling called <laughs> a, this is called roar and it says complete hydration. And, uh, it actually is 5% juice. So it actually does have some real juice in it. This flavor is, looks like clementine, mango clementine, and it tastes really good. It's not carbonated, uh, for the whole bottle, it's 20 calories. And, uh, That's, and so it sounds like an exotic celebrity name. And no, I am Mango Clementine. <laughs> Mango Clementine, exactly. Um, but I think, and I can't remember if I had mentioned, I had another one of these previously. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but um, but it, this is really good. It actually, um, it actually uh, is, for, it doesn't taste like it's a low calorie beverage. It doesn't taste like it's like, you know, sort of wa- flavored water. It actually tastes like it has fruit juice in it, and which it does, but it, you know, it tastes like you're getting something when you're sort of cheating the system because you're only getting 20 calories out of this bottle. So, so yeah, so that is, that's it. Um, for my Brian's beverage corner, if you're following along, that was only four beverages I talked about. (laughs) I'm sorry. I blacked out. You said four beverages. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now on to you, what are you eating? And uh, I know we uh, we have to we have to get an update on on uh, bone broth diet. Yeah, I'll I'll jump straight into the bone broth diet update. We did the three weeks several yeah. weeks ago, like the start of you know a calendar month, and then those after those three weeks, we went on the the stability plan. The you know like hey, here's how you're supposed to eat indefinitely kind of thing. Yeah. But all, all along the book says you can you know redo the three week thing whenever you want. Like if you feel like you get off track, you know, you can sort of get back on track by doing this three week challenge. Yeah. Uh, so Dory and I resolved and we executed that on the beginning of this month to do the three week challenge every other month. So we're now again, starting basically a few days ago, as of this recording, um, resumed the three-week challenge. Uh, I ended up... So wait, remind me what the three-week challenge is? The, the three-week challenge is where we fast, like eat eat nothing. We can drink, you know, bone broth, water, or a black coffee, herbal tea, mm-hmm. um, two non-consecutive days of every week for the three weeks. Okay. And then like every day we have one bone broth as sort of a snack whenever we as, as part of it. Yeah. Uh, and then they're just being on a, a very particular diet, like no corn, no rice, um, you know, certain amount of nuts, not, and you know, peanuts are on the no list, all, all kinds of certain particular foods and such. But uh, today we ate, 
or yesterday was a fasting day. Um, so today we broke our fast. It was eggs and prosciutto and what is that? I think I had cashews and almonds. It was really good. And peppers, just raw cut up peppers. It was very good. Um, and then right now what I'm having is sort of a snack because I wasn't really hungry by the time it was time for lunch because of that late breakfast. And I'm eating almonds and pistachios as well as some more prosciutto. So really in conclusion to what I'm eating, it is meat and nuts as provisioned by Dory. Yeah. That's, well, that's and so you were talking about the, yeah. So the third, so the 30 day thing is, I mean, it's sort of like a re at the beginning, it's like a reset, but then it becomes like another way to stay on track. Is that what you, like how your assessment is? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the three week challenge is sort of the weight loss period. If you're trying to lose yeah. weight or whatever your goals are to change, you know, your physique and figure and whatnot. Um, yeah. Then there's a, a maintenance mode that's not the three-week challenge. And so what we're doing is doing a cycle of, you know, three-week challenge and then effectively five weeks in maintenance mode. Yeah. So that takes up pretty much, you know, two full months. So every two months we're doing that sort of as a routine until we're at the place we want to be at. And the reason for that is just so we can get – the the quote cheat meals of maintenance mode yeah. maintaining mm-hmm. in our social life <laughs> so to speak yeah. yeah um it it was hard to go out to eat with friends when we were on the the three week challenge it's hard to have people over and have them eat what we're eating or go over and eat what they're serving you know yeah so, and that's i mean you i know you mentioned that too like the beginning of your time in this whole thing was when you were out of town and so i know dory did her speech about that and you know mm-hmm. um it's, uh, it is, it was easier. Like it's, it's always easy when, like, if you had a purely controlled environment where it's like, everything is like regimented and, uh, and you're, you mm-hmm. have no changes ever, like it's very static, then it becomes real easy, but life isn't like that. Right. So you, you want to go out with friends. You want to go every once in a while, go to a restaurant. You want to, and so you want to, you want to ha- record a podcast where you get to eat stuff with a friend and, <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. So. You know, absolutely. And it, it kind of, my, my heart goes out to people who try to go on diets when their friend or their, I guess their family, the people they live with aren't also on the diet. Right. Yeah. Because that means there's all this temptation all over the place. Yes. Um, and the yeah, reason it's... I guess it was okay with when we were visiting Dory's sisters because Dory's sister knew the diet and had done right. the diet. Yeah. So even though there was temptation all over the house, we still had sort of an empathetic referee yeah. to sort of point at us like, hey, even though that's here, that's not okay for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't eat that. And, well, and, and she, actually, in Dory's speech, she mentioned another thing that is is really hard for people that have kids is when you have kids <laughs> around. No, I'm just saying, when you have kids yeah. around, like, you typically, it's, it's, it's more difficult to eat. And, and I'm not saying that you feed your kids junk, but you might feed your kids things that you wouldn't eat or that you you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that as a, as an adult, you know, might not be on the diet plan that you're going, you know, that you're going by. And, uh, and so, but when you have the food around, it's like, oh, well, kid's not going to eat that. Like, are you going to, you know, right. I'll, fi- I'll finish that off. I'll have a cu- couple of half a, half a bag of goldfish and, you know, whatever <laughs> cheese and crackers or whatever, you know, whatever you're feeding your kids. 
And, oh, yeah, because uh, yeah, what, what you want to eat as an adult, you're, generally speaking, are far less picky than you were as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to cook for t- two different meals at once, yes. right? So if you are going to go and make Pop-Tarts for the kids in the morning and there's one more package of Pop-Tarts left and you're in a hurry, yeah. it's really hard to say no to that and say yes to yeah. now going and grilling some mushrooms and veggies and yeah. You know, well, a lot of times it's the, it's the, it's you, you cook two pop tarts for the kid and the kid eats three quarters of one pop tart. So there's a pop cart and pop tart and a quarter <laughs> left. And you're like, well, am I going to just throw this away or am I just, Hey, it's there. It's ready to eat. I can eat it. You know what I mean? So it's just a sort of a parent thing that happens, you know? Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, as far as drinking, I am having a home cold brewed, home brewed yeah. cold coffee with um, some, I guess, bone broth diet friendly creamer. Added. Okay, it's the bulletproof, which is another diet, you know, yeah, for lack of a better term, fad. But it's you know it's MCT oil and yeah, grass fed butter which is mm-hmm. okay for us to cook with and such. It's a grass-fed butter and I think uh, ghee. Yeah. Which okay. is highly filtered butter. Um, anyway, yeah, so so that. And then, of course, bone broth. Got yeah. that right here. And Is it a flavored a little, one or just a regular one? This is my first sip, and it, it seems to be the regular one. Okay. One of, one of the cool things, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, with when you do the bone broth, you can flavor it just about any way you want. Like oh. you can put um, whatever seasonings that are safe for the diet. You can throw in the bone broth even on yeah. fasting days. Yeah. Um, so you know, like dried cilantro leaves or Italian seasoning. You just have to watch out for like the dry rubs because they like to put sugar in that. Mm-hmm. Or think you know, basically those seasoning medleys where they pretty much guarantee to put sugar or dextrose and all that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and then I got water for variety. Nice. <laughs> Just well, to, that's good. That all sounds awesome. Yep. Snacking and right now. And having some nuts. And uh, yeah, that's good. I, uh, I'm i actually embarking on a, a weight loss journey myself that we uh trying oh, to make a, a weight loss journey. I'm going to try to lose... I would like to try to lose 50 pounds by next July. I know that seems very arbitrary, but the reason why uh, it's next July is because we're me and a friend are doing this as a fundraiser for my son's high school band. And so for every pound mm-hmm. loss, we're going to try to get people to pledge like, you know, 25 cents, 50 cents, and whatever they want to pledge. And then every month we weigh in and, uh, and then that does, you know, sort of the pledges come in and, and so the reason why we're doing it until next July is because that's the start of the next band season because that's when band camp starts in, is in July. Right. And so we're and trying to the, hit. Yeah. Injection so, of funds would be most. Yeah. Welcome. So I'm trying to lose 50 pounds. My friend is trying to lose a hundred pounds. Uh, and, wow. uh, and so it's an, it's a very lofty goal. I don't know that we're going to get there, but we're going to try our darndest and, knowing that somebody else or, you know, a nonprofit organization is going to benefit because of it. Uh, we'll put a little bit more, I don't want to say pressure cause that sounds so negative, but put a little bit more 
It'll raise the necessity. It, encouragement. It will be encouragement yeah. for me to stay on track and for him to stay on track. And, um, you know, both well, of us really. World knows. Well, exactly. You, you and just that's, told the whole world. They're going to be like, so what's, how's that guy <laughs> doing, Brian? How's that challenge? Well, and that's part of it, honestly, is uh, going back to our Enneagrams. Everyone knows I'm a nine, uh, which is the peacekeeper, <laughs> and I want to make people happy. And so knowing that there's a bunch of people that not necessarily they're depending upon me, but that they're, that, that this journey that I'm on is very public. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. hoping what my hope is, is that that will continue to motivate me even when I'm feeling like, Oh, I should grab that candy bar or that pop tart or that whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to have enough time. You know, we've got basically nine months, you know, we started November 1st. Mm-hmm. So nine months until July 1st in essence. And, uh, and so, so nine months and some change maybe to see where we can get. So I'm not trying to, you know, not trying. Is it the end of July or the beginning of July? Uh, well, I think we were going to July 1st. Uh, we, we we don't know exactly when band camp is yet. So seven months, right? 11, 12, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, five, eight, eight months. Okay. You don't count seven. So yeah, you don't, you don't count July at all because you gotta be done by July 1st. Yeah. So, yeah. so you got seven months. Yeah. So, so and it's like I said, that, that traverses the holidays. Yes. That'll be and good. that's the other thing that, and, you know, I was thinking about it and it, it really is like, well, I mean, you're going to have to go through holidays and deal with it anyway during your life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to learn the lessons that I need to learn. So I'm, that's why I'm like, well, I'm not going to wait till January 1st to do a new year's resolution. It's like, I'm going to do it now. And, yeah. uh, and so that's what we decided to do. Uh, and I will put in case anyone does want to support it, I will put the link to the, uh, pledge it. It's called pledge it, the website, um, that cool. they can, you can put your pledges in if you want to, uh, a hundred percent of the proceeds go to my son's high school band. Um, and so you can, uh, you can go ahead and pledge if you want, or you can send me encouraging messages. <laughs> Just say, Brian, I, I know you can do it, Brian. Come on, let's go. <laughs> So you can't see anyway. it, but this this smile this is this is the smile I make whenever I realize I need to send the smiling imp emoji because <laughs> <laughs> my mischievous in- idea of encouragement. <laughs> well, so by the time this this podcast comes out, we'll be a few weeks into this, but uh, but I like I said, I'll have I'll put the link in there so we can we can go ahead and like I said, if you feel the if you feel like you want to support me in this and support my nonprofit. Uh, then I would really appreciate it. So, all right, that was uh, that was actually a good segue into uh, into what are we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, because you, you're trying to influence people, right? Exactly. I I always need more friends. I always, yes. you know, I was trying to influence says people. Does the, <laughs> the peacekeeper? I right. Need exactly. More <laughs> always need more friends. Always want to be there. Always want to be at the party. Anyway. So you you're probably scratching your head and going, what are Brian and Nick doing? They've been doing these uh cognitive biases for so long. I thought this was a cognitive bias website. <laughs> I mean a uh, podcast, not website. <laughs> uh yeah, you're right. We have been doing this for a long time, but we decided to change it up. We brainstormed trying to come up with some other subject matter and other things that we could talk about. And one of the things that binds Nick and I together, well, there's two things. One is quotes, but where do quotes come from? They come from books usually. So, <laughs> so one of the things that we 
uh, wanted to do is sort of tr try to take, I hesitate to call it a deep dive, but we wanted to do almost like book reports on some of the, some heavy hitters as well as some of the newer self-help books that are out there yeah. and that we've read and that we maybe have made an impact on us as we've read them. Uh, we know have made an impact on a lot of people. And so we're going to try to figure out some, some books that are very well known. Uh, and our recommendation is if you haven't read these books, maybe go take a look at them. Uh, we don't get paid or anything for promoting them, but we're just promoting them to maybe so that you can help yourself. Huh? Look at, you see how uh, I worked it in there? Well done, sir. <laughs> marks. So our first, right. So our first, uh, the first book that we came up with, and I think both of us pretty much agreed on this one. I know there's a lot of books out there, but um, Dale Carnegie is very well known in this arena, early 19th, uh, excuse me, early 20th century. Um, and he was, uh, he wrote a number of books and was, <coughs> has been an inspiration to a lot of people. And I mean, ultimately he was very successful in life. So that's why probably why a lot of people listen to him because he, he had success in, in uh, dealing with people. So we decided to do how to win friends and influence people. And, yeah. uh, I, I I had read this book. I would say it's probably been a good seven to nine years ago. Um, I read this book. I also read his other book, How to uh, Stop Worrying and Start Living, which I thought was good. And uh, it really does, even though it was written in like the early, you know, 1900s, like somewhere around you know, before the Depression, I think it was 1920s, 30s, somewhere in that it area. It was 1930s. Yeah. I'm looking so, down. yeah, to double you know, fact check me on that. But even though it was written in a different era, what I always, there you go, 36. So I feel like the uh, the advice in the book and the, the, the things that he, he talks about, the techniques and other things are pretty universal. Like they, they really haven't changed much. And what struck me the most about um, this book, as well as the how to stop worrying and start living is that people even almost a hundred years ago, 90 years ago, were dealing with the same stresses, the same, you know, concerns, the same desires, some of the same goals that we have, maybe technology has changed, maybe other things have changed, but it's really interesting because th these things don't change. And that's how I think you, at least my criteria for evaluating a good book is that it's timeless in some aspects is that you read it, mm -hmm. you could read it a hundred years from now and you'll be like, Oh yeah, it still makes sense. It still it's is good, good advice. Book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now there's a couple things that are very dated in the book. <laughs> and I think we'll get into that, but um, sure. and it's on some levels, it's sort of comical when you, when you're listening to some of the things and, uh, and you're, you're trying to sort of put that up against modern society because it, you can tell that there's been that's that's where you see the technological changes and other things like that. And yeah. you're like, huh, that doesn't make yeah, sense. He, sort he of talks, you know. talks about sending them, a t you know, sending people a telegram, a telegram. Like, right. Exactly. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. well, OK, there's a modern analog to that or yeah. I say a modern digital to that. Um, yeah. Texting. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, the interesting the other interesting thing, too, is I, I uh, listen to the book. I'm, you know, as as probably a lot of, you know, on this podcast, I've talked I'm a big audible person. 
Um, and <laughs> audible yes, meaning very, that I can hear you fine. Yeah. I can hear you fine, Brian. You're very audible. So I'm, I'm a, uh, sorry, I'm a big uh, audio book person. Let me put it that way. Yeah, you're a fan um, of audible. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and so the, uh, you know, the interesting thing about it is that, um, you know, listening to the book, it's really, it's interesting the language that's used. Uh, because it's, I mean, you can almost hear somebody in the thirties, like, good day, sir. How are you? Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I went into this fine young man's office and I told him that, you know, and it's like, yeah, and even when you're reading for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, even when you're reading it, you can hear that, you know, it's not yeah. uh, just because I heard the audiobook. like I've read the, how to stop worrying and stop, start living. And, uh, and it's the same thing. You read it and you're like, this is so, <laughs> the language is so dated. Um, and, and like I said, in some ways it's like, it, you have to, you have to sort of step back and say, okay, I got to like put that to the side and just say, I'm trying to get lessons out of this. So just like ignore the fact that it's like, good day, sir. You know, like, and it's true, you know, on some levels, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about a time when pretty much it was men that worked you know, men that, that were the professionals and the captains of industry and all that stuff. There weren't, weren't women CEOs in the 1930s, you know, there, it, or, or at right. least there were way, way less than there are now. And uh, it was a different time. And so you, you have to sort of get over that stuff to basically pull out the nuggets of wisdom <laughs> that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to, how about this? Why don't you get us started with that first, uh, sort of the first part of the book? Um, where he's talking about uh, certain techniques um, for handling people. Maybe you can get us started on that. Well, I mean, with all due respect, I think that's a terrible idea, but I'll go with it. <laughs> because the first one is never criticize or complain. That's the first principle of the first chapter. Right. Just don't criticize, condemn, or complain. And so that was a joke saying I think that's a terrible idea. I right, right. Put in throw in a little gratuitous forced irony there. Yeah, um, I think it's it's interesting how he he opens up with examples of criminals and how criminals see themselves. Yeah, right, and kind of contrasting how society sees them versus how they see themselves. And mm-hmm. he cites you know people of his time like Two Gun Crowley and Al Capone, um, but both of them felt fully validated, vindicated, and justified in their actions. In fact, right. They, might have even Al Capone saw himself as a public benefactor. Yeah. And that's a quote, right? Um, and I think it, it's just kind of a reminder that nobody thinks they're a bad person. Like nobody. Yeah. There are people who try to shame and blame themselves into, you know, corrective action. Um, but that's like personal and private to them mm-hmm. that only, yeah. only they can say bad things about themselves. Um, the, their imposter syndrome or whatever it is, they're not going to let that reputation leak out. Right. Um, and the challenge there is just realizing that, you know, a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. And that yeah. includes whatever mistakes they've made in behavior or character. Um, you 
don't don't bother. Like, yeah. Just don't don't bother trying to convince someone they're wrong because right. you won't. Right. And even if you get them to verbally agree with you that they did something wrong, they will not take it to heart. Ninety nine yeah. times out of hundred, as as Dale Carnegie says. Um, I think though that there's a sort of a, a behind the scenes lesson there. Yeah. You know where being as connected as we are in this this day and age, as well as isolated, but at any rate, so many of us are doing the same thing and we need to differentiate, right? We need to stand out from the crowd. Um, and if there's ever a way to shine in this day and age of so-called narcissism and egotism, um, I think if you can be someone who can receive criticism, right? If you can find the nugget of truth, the, the yeah. small nugget of truth in someone ripping you a new one and said, mm-hmm. like, just letting them talk, but figuring it, finding what is actually actionable and what they have yes. to say, like, mm-hmm. um, and just focus on that. You will greatly accelerate your personal development, whether that's in interpersonal skills, career, both, you know, pretty much anything you want to work on. If you can roll with someone else's terrible social skills. Yeah. Uh, you will win more often than anyone else. Yeah. Um, well, I, I will say that like, uh, um, I probably, maybe I should say this later and, but I'm not going to, I'm going to say it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, this, 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 the whole book, uh, is like a number nine's dream. Really? Like be, be, it really is. I mean, honestly, yeah. Like it's all of his, it is all of his, right? all of his techniques are like a soft sell kind of like, like, you know, almost like verbal judo. Like somebody criticizes you and you say, Oh, thank you for that advice, sir. You know, like it, it like it's, it's a, uh, it really is. And uh, even this thing, like don't criticize, condemn and complain. Well, nine would never do that anyway. Like really, they just, they're just sort of like, okay, well, um, I guess that's okay. Like, uh, you know, it's, so it's, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. Like I said, as we get more into it, I think maybe hopefully the listeners will, will get this and, and maybe, maybe agree with me, maybe not, maybe disagree with me, but, um, but I, I won't, you know, go ahead. That's cool. I like that perspective. I I appreciate it. I, I didn't think of it. And I think that's why I like it is, you know, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, like learning, I said, I, I'm learning things, <laughs> thanks to this conversation. Well, I just feel like, like I said, I, I, all of his, and like I said, as we get into this, most of these things are really just, I mean, it's for lack of a better way to describe it. It's like, Hey, just be a kind person, be somebody that's interested in other people be, and we'll get into all these things, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. it was interesting to me. So um, and, and, and definitely this, like the, I, I feel like this one, sometimes I go back and I'm like, well, is this obvious? Is it not obvious? And I think a lot of it is, uh, the hard part for me is you can't control how somebody takes something from you. So I could say like, you know, I could say something in evaluating a speech that you're giving or you're something that you're saying and say, Hey, you know, Nick, it would be better if you did this. And I can't, I can say that in the nicest possible way and mean it like in a, the most constructive way possible, but I can't control how you take it. And right. so that's the, the don't criticize, condemn or complain. It's like, okay, I, I, I want to help you, you know, I want to help someone else, but at the same time, 
they might take that as a much stronger criticism than I meant it to be. And so that's, yeah. uh, that's always the tough part for me. Well, and, it, and I think he even mentioned, he sort of mentions this a few times, um, in the, I'm getting call it work. I don't know if that's coming through, but, um, he mentions that, you know, often this, these approaches can take a little more time. Um, yeah. But it's worth it <laughs> in the amount of time you save over the long term in yeah. repairing relationships, right? Or preventing critical relations, you know, necessary relationships uh, along the way. Yeah. There was uh, one of the reasons, so to kind of touch back on introducing this book a little bit, I think one of the reasons why it has stood the test of time is because it's riddled with quotes, questions, and stories. Yes. Right. And all of those are just timeless catalysts for human engagement and interest. Mm -hmm. right? we, we're Other people have said, marketing professionals have said we're wired for story. Um, we've talked at length about how and why we like quotes so much. Yes. You know, just being compact timeless nuggets of truth um, and questions. We've, well, we've talked about that too, about how, you know, asking the right questions can give you the right answers. Yeah. Um, and get you to that was, where you're wanting to go. Well, and that was one of the things I was going to say is that the style of this book is interesting to me. And it's, just, it's no different with his, uh, with Dale Carnegie's other books, but I think it was that he was coming up with these principles based on the fact that he was he had hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of people that would write to him or try to contact him in whatever mm -hmm. way right so he came in contact with a lot of people that gave them gave him their stories and their little pieces and then he distilled all that into these techniques and other things that you can use but I, I don't think that the people necessarily said that. I think he's the one who distilled it, like brought it down. But that's why the book's interesting to me because it's really, I mean, I'd say it's, you know, 80% stories that he's like, you know, Jim Smith of the, you know, of, you know, whatever Missouri said this. And he, he, he worked a job mm -hmm. and his boss said this and he said this. And then, so it's all stories. The whole thing is just stories. And it's not Dale Carnegie's stories. It's people that have given him stories. And he's using those stories as examples. So I, it's like a litany, like he gives you one concept and then he gives you like 10 stories that are examples from different, from like almost different perspectives on that one right. concept, which I thought was cool at the, at the same time is a very strange structure for a book. Like I don't, I haven't read another book that's structured like that really. Well, yeah, I think, I feel like I have, you know, read that model in other self-help books. But it, it oftentimes in those cases it felt tedious or repetitive. Yeah. It's like, okay, I get the point. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. You don't have to pad this chapter with but it in this case it really seemed like each story added a different element to it. Like each yeah. each was worthy on its own right. Um and not not to contradict you, there are a few of Dale Carnegie's own stories sprinkled in. And oh yeah, I only, no. I um, there's one that I I just wanted to highlight. Like I literally made a little. You, you a little, literally highlighted it. Yeah, yeah. I literally <laughs> highlighted it. Um, 
where, you know, it was early in his career. I'm, I'm So I'm summarizing a summary, but yeah, it was early in his career. He wrote a famous person at the time. Um, and the response that he got, the response Dale Carnegie got was dictated, but not read. Oh, I remember this story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he, his impression <laughs> of that wasn't offense at all. It was like, Oh, this is cool. I, right. That's, that makes him seem important. That makes it, I'm going to try yeah. to sound important too. And I'm going <laughs> to reply back with dictated, but not read. Yeah. And then this, um, this truly important person replied back, your bad manners are exceeded only by your bad manners. <laughs> I know that was awesome. I was, <laughs> I was actually laughing when I heard that. I was like, that, that is because <laughs> it was, it is very time capsule you know, it's like, you know, letters going back and forth. So, <laughs> well, sure. But it could have been email, right? Just as well, of course, email. of course. Um, and what's funny is a bit of the hypocrisy, right? Cause yeah. So-called important person. Right. Um, uh, said dictated but not read yeah but when someone else does it to him it's not so cool yeah you know, his ego was bruised um but one of the things that i thought was worth pointing out was um like dale's impression of that you know yes and, and the timeline isn't totally clear but um dale says you know right after after the quote of your bad manners are exceeded only by your bad manners True, I had blundered, this is Dale Carnegie's words, and perhaps yeah. I deserved this rebuke. But being human, I resented it. I resented it so sharply that when I read of the death of this individual 10 years later, the one thought that persisted in my mind, I'm ashamed to admit, was the hurt he had given me. Wow. You know, and it it's not necessarily that he was bitter, right? But it yeah. still came to mind. Like his only yeah. memory of the guy was the time that, this important person offended him yes. when that important person passed. And I think there's this implication there, like, Hey, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Whether you're, whether you're important now expect to be important in the future. Do you want people to celebrate your passing or more in your passing? Right. And one interaction could be enough for people to celebrate your passing or at least, you know, not, not celebrate. I wouldn't say Dale Carnegie celebrated it, but it, it's still like if the only thing he remembered about the guy was his hurt, right? Like that's, I don't think that's the kind of legacy anybody wants to leave. It doesn't seem yeah. very wise or self-interested. Um, yeah. There's a, um, uh, the, the thing that I was thinking about that is the dictated, but not read equivalent in modern day is, I don't know if you've seen it, but when people send an email from their phone, it says apologies for typos sent on a small keyboard. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It'll just yeah, say yeah. that I, in the signature page, you know, I mean, in the signature of it, you know, it's almost like I, that. Like, Hey, I have hey, uh, similar. I just, I heard drafted some, on a tiny keyboard. I saw somebody that said, uh, um, like something, something to the effect of apologies for the, this email being terse because it was typed on my phone. So it was like short answers. Like, Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not trying yeah, to be a yeah. jerk. I just, I'm not going to type you a huge email when I'm doing it on the thumbs on my phone. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, but again, you could read that. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how about you just answer me like a normal human being? You could, you could resent that fact. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, Good. you know, I so think yeah. another equivalent would be the, the phrase or the, I guess the abbreviation today of a uh, TLDR. Yes. Yes. Too long. Didn't read. 
Yeah. Because um, it's like I'm I'm too busy to give this my full attention. I had somebody read it to me. Right. You know? Um. Another another like sort of subtle lesson from the first chapter. We have time for all this. We probably need to move on to the next chapter. Yeah, I was gonna. Well, actually, I was gonna say is we, we we've gone over the first. It's like all the first point. So the first point was don't yeah. criticize, condemn, or complain. Second point right. was give honest and sincere appreciation, which yeah. I am. I am. Uh, this is a shorter chapter, but yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it is. No, so I, I think that that's, this is one of those things that I feel like corporate America has has lost, uh, is that I feel like a lot of times corporate America will give thanks to their employees, but they'll do it in like a very non-sincere way. So it's just like, you know, here's your, uh, I you know, I got you this, you know, just some some very very it's sort of like you've you've seen the things people are like hey I worked for this company for twenty years and I got um a candy bar on my desk with a card that says thanks for twenty years you know like that kind of thing and it's like yeah okay that that was they knew that they had to do something because it was a a, a monumental thing but it wasn't sincere and it wasn't you know it didn't equate to the the amount of sacrifice by that person if that makes sense so sure. I th- you know, I think um, I think the the biggest thing that I know about this is I know that there's a lot of people, and I, you've, people maybe the re- listeners have come into contact with people. There's people who give appreciation, and you can tell when it's not honest and sincere. So I think that the interesting thing in here is that he made sure that that was in this rule is make sure that it's honest and sincere. And he actually goes through a bunch of stories where he talks about you know this it needs to be real appreciation. You can't like yeah. you have to feel it. You have to actually say like, no, I truly do appreciate what you're doing. And, right. uh, you, and even if you don't, I mean, I don't want to say even if you don't, but even if it's hard for you to do that, it's almost like you have to muster that up. And I felt like that with some of his stories talking about, you know, making sure that you're in the right mindset to give that appreciation. Um, it was, you know, it was basically, like I said, it was not eye opening to me, but it was you know, something that you don't think it has to be said, but it has to be said. Yeah. And he even goes on kind of a rampage against the flattery and the concept yes. of flattery. Um, and I, I appreciate that he does that. Um, I even have a note here. It says, um, so after he kind of, he's coming off of that rant talking about, you know, like there's a, Actually, I'll briefly mention about the rant. Like, there's a place yeah. he talks about King George V um, having six maxims displayed on the walls of his study, and one of those is "Teach me neither to proffer nor receive cheap praise." Um, yes, and you know, saying which is somewhat redundantly that cheap praise and flattery are the same thing, uh, and then, but then later he talks about. What I put a little note next to said narcissism is when we are not engaged in thinking about some definite problem, we usually spend 95%, he said about, about 95% of our time thinking about ourselves. Yeah. But that's everybody, right? So if you're trying to win friends and influence other people who are spending 95% of their non-working time thinking about themselves, um, 
maybe if you can stop and think about them too and yeah. their good points and acknowledge them, chances are you're you're gonna yeah. I feel like it's em- it's empathy. <laughs> it's like exactly. empathy sympathy. You know, sympathy is hey, I I can I guess I you know, I know that I should feel sad or you know feel that you're going through this but i've never been through that or i don't have a way to put myself in your shoes whereas i I just i define empathy as saying you know i know exactly like if somebody's father passes away my dad died so i know exactly how that person is my my best friend's father just passed away recently and so i told him i said man you were here when when my father died and uh i'm gonna be here for you when your father died but i know exactly what you're going through because i've been through it so Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of being able to really put yourself in that person's position and say, here's, here's what it is, you know? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. And I think, I think I might have a little trouble with the word exactly, you know, with but, what uh, exactly the, what? the word, the word, the word quote exactly like, Oh, Oh, um, you mean exactly put yourself in the person's position? Right. Like I, when what, you, what I was saying, if someone's in mourning, I'm not going to, I personally, yeah. I'm not going to say, I know exactly. It's like, I know something of how you feel, right? Like, sure, sure. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's, that's I, I, you know, I would semantics. agree with that. Yeah. I um, would agree with that. But yeah, it's, it's that idea of even, even if you don't know exactly just by listing off things to that person that you've thought of that you imagine yeah. come into play in their morning or their situation. Yeah. Um, even if you didn't give the the full list of everything that they're wrestling with, or even if you said a few things that don't apply to them, yeah, they're, they're going to appreciate the effort. They're going to applaud the consideration that you've put into their situation, at least in their heart, not necessarily yeah. literally. Um, and they'll, they'll very likely feel that empathy and connection. They'll feel yeah. like they're, they're important enough to be, thought of at least by you right not others. right well and so then the uh the third technique in handling people is arouse in other in the other person an eager want and i think this is where he gets mm-hmm. into how do you get somebody to do something you make them think that they want to do it like you make it be their idea is if i'm i'm successfully summarizing what his position was basically you can't force anyone to do anything, but if they want to do it, then they're going to do it. So you have to figure out how you mm-hmm. can make them feel like they want to do it. If that's the, a good yeah. summary and, of that. And that. When you, when you say like that though, it does sound a little manipulative. I think I, I know. Yeah. That's not, I didn't, I didn't put it in the best way. I, I know. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> um, but some of the, I think some of the tactics he infers in that chapter and, and kind of repeats later in other chapters are things like, you know, couch them when whatever the thing is you want them to do, talk about it from their self-interest, like right. help them realize what it would do for them if they did that. Like why it would benefit yes. them. Yeah. Um, you may not necessarily uh, get them to do it, but it's more likely when they at yeah. least have considered the benefits to themselves or right. those they care about. Um. Well, and that will come into play no, what you was... just said. Oh, huh? go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say that'll come into play when we get into this next section of 
the basically six ways to make people like you, which again, sort oh. of sounds, <laughs> sort of sounds manipulative too. And I, I think it that does. actually it's a good point that you bring that up because I think just like anything else, almost like if powers are used for good, then they're, you know, but mm-hmm. if they're the, any power, like anything could be used for ill, ill gotten or, you know, ill conceived or, of bad ulterior motives, right? Yeah. So if you're doing that, but I, the, his argument I think is people see through that. Like people are smart enough to know when you're not being sincere with your appreciation and they know, they definitely know when you're criticizing, condemning and complaining. Like that's, sure. you know, so, so I think his, his thing is look, use these things and everybody out there is smart enough to know he's treating his audience like they're intelligent. Like they, they can, they can read a person and they can say, Oh yeah, I know that guy's just like blowing smoke, you know, or that person is just blowing smoke, you know? Um, yeah. So, and, and some of these, yeah, some of these titles are phrased, you know, I don't say tersely or manipulatively. Yeah. Something like that. But then as you read the content, you can tell that Dale is sincere and he's encouraging sincerity yeah. uh, throughout in his, for his reader. And, um, and that's probably another reason why it's stood the test of time. Right. 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 Even though, and it may have been like in his day and age, so to speak, how to make someone like you doesn't have all those manipulative connotations. Right. That right. we have today. I think that's very likely actually. Well, and I, um, yeah. So, so you want to, you want to get into those, the, the first one of that, a, that section. Yeah, there was a, Another tactic for arousing someone an eager want was oh, yeah. um, kind of helping them see the importance of whatever it is or making it important. Like one, that's one of the deepest cravings any person has is a feeling of importance yeah. or to receive attention. And it's not like attention, like, you know, an extrovert and a narcissist. Oh, look at me, look yeah. at me. But it, it's even someone like a peacekeeper, right? You want you're helping people because you know people matter, and that yeah. means what you do matters, right? It, it's it's a clear kind of connection, and um, it. I think that there's like back, I don't know. Back in the days before money was a thing, and we all lived mm-hmm. in tribes, right? We knew that if we didn't do something of value there wouldn't be a need to keep us around in the tribe. Right. So there's like this subconscious narrative and that like, I've got to do something worthwhile. You know, I've got mm-hmm. to earn my keep. Um, yeah. And if you can help people see the connection between the activity and how that can help them. So quote unquote, earn their keep, be of value to the community. Yeah. Um, that makes it more interesting and more worthwhile for their effort. Yeah. Well, so, so the, the, so, so you want to go under the new, so six ways to make people like you. All right. Number one is become genuinely interested in other people. And I like how he talks about that. He gives the stories about someone, uh, I forget exactly who, but he was like, somebody went to a party, they were talking to somebody and there was somebody that had like a very, not an odd, but a, a, a an unusual profession. Like at the time, like they were a geologist or something like that. And it was a, they weren't, they weren't around the same circles. And so they just asked them about like rocks and geology. And they talked to him this whole time. And he, from their perspective, they're like, I barely spoke. I just, all I did was just ask the guy questions about what he did and became interested in it. And 
the, mm-hmm. the, the geologist guy writes a letter back and says, man, he's the best conversationalist ever. You know, and yeah. it's like, he's like, I didn't even talk at all. I just asked him questions was, about what he did. And yeah. it was like a 90, 10 kind of conversation. Yeah. Right. But, right. But it is true though. I've, I have, I have, uh, if you can get someone many times talking about something, you, the, the tough part is finding out what they're interested in. But if you can get somebody talking about whether that's their profession, a hobby, their family, uh, like the whatever that is, if you can get someone talking about that, then even people who aren't normally very extroverted or want to talk a lot, it's a much easier to get them to talk about something they're interested in talking about. And, uh, so it's, I've noticed that quite often. Yeah. You can get an introvert talking like an extrovert. Yeah. It's just, instead of, instead of it's a 10 people, maybe it's one to two people. Right. If you get them talking about their passion, whether that's, that's right. You know, some particular piece of fiction, like anime, comic books, video games, mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, or, you know, a Netflix show. Yeah. Or if it's like what they do for a living, the thing yeah. that they sort of, yeah, it's it's kind of cool to see because you're, yeah. you're seeing them come out of their shell, right? That's right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like my favorite, one of my favorite things to do at a party. And I think that's what that geologist was, so to speak, you know, is probably an introvert who is. Yeah threatened by going to a party, found somebody yeah. to latch onto, and they were genuinely interested in their right, profession. Right. It was like a dream come true. They're like now all of a sudden the intimidation of, you know, fifty people they don't know. Yeah. It's narrowed down to one person who genuinely wants to know them. Yeah. Is such a much, much more safe and um not just safe, but simple. Safe safe and yeah. simple environment. Right. Yeah, and I think also they you know, I think many people will, especially with like a, you know, if somebody says, oh, I sell insurance, something. I, actually, my my father had a joke that when he didn't want people to talk to him, they asked him what he did. He would say, I sell insurance because he said <laughs> nobody wanted to talk to you when you when you're an insurance salesman. And granted, that was, a, you know, 50 or 60 years ago. But uh, but it, it's it's one of those things that a geologist, maybe there aren't many people that are like, you know, Oh, okay. Well, what is that? How do you, what do you do? Like what is, you know, there aren't pe- many people that ask follow-up questions even maybe. Yeah. And so and just to have a few extra questions of like, Oh, well, what, how do you, what do you do for a li- Like, what do you do work? Like, how do you make money? What do you, what exactly do you do every day? You know? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that's, yeah. I would say just as a, uh, I guess a more day to day kind of tactic in that if you want to be someone who is an, a quote unquote excellent conversationalist? Uh, all you got to do is when there's a lull in the conversation, they're taking a breath or they don't know what to say. Yeah. Say, well, tell me more about that. Yeah. And if you can, like, instead of say the word that, say one yeah. of the things that they mentioned that you would yes. actually be interested in learning more about, say that thing. Yeah. And that'll breathe new life into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, yeah, I, anyway. here's here's the other weird thing about this. I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I typically like to talk, um, and, uh, and I, but I try not to talk when it's, when I can tell that it's uninvited, you know, I, I don't want to usurp or take over a party, but every once in a while I've gone to a party and I've realized that somebody has done this to me 
where they'll say they'll get me talking about something and then I leave the party and I'm like, man, that guy never said anything. I had a conversation for like 45 minutes. He said like 20 words. I said like 5,000, you know, and uh, and then I'm like, he was doing that. That person was doing that to me. They were like, really? Tell me more about yeah. that. What, so what exactly? I've always wondered this about being an attorney. What is that? You know, and stuff like that. And it's like and then I get home and I'm like, oh, man, they, <laughs> they, they got yeah, me, I mean, man. They got me. Yeah. And it's usually actually like, I had a really good time at that party. Why? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I spent all well, the time talking about myself. <laughs> and you even come away, you even come away from it feeling like you know the guy right. you're talking to. Yes. Right? And it's like, <laughs> no, you were just projecting yourself. Right, on the right. Place. Exactly. It's like. <laughs> so. The, uh, the second principle. Yeah. In the second part of the book. Short and simple. Smile. I know. And. I was going to say earlier, kind of to introduce this book, I would say this book, when I read it as a teenager, and really, I guess, throughout my life, you know, picked it up and such, has changed my life more than the Bible. And I wow. was about Christian for wow. 20 years. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, as far as in terms of the good it did for me in my day-to-day yeah. life, yeah. you know? Um, and, and then why it comes to mind here is because I think smiling did the most of like of all these recommendations, this was the easiest and most impactful to implement. Like, yeah. Like walking down the halls in high school and just smiling at people and saying, hi, I might not even know your name, which is another principle we'll get to later. Yeah. Just smiling and saying hi as you walk by. Yeah. Do that like every day or every time you see them, they will feel like they know you. They will feel like you're a friend. They will feel like getting to know you or telling you about themselves or whatever, whenever you are not passing by, right? Whenever yeah. you are together. Um, and, and it's, I'm offer all that is like a equals, you know, point A to point B. But again, the smile has to be genuine. You have to yes. be appreciating something about them or appreciating something about your life when you do it. Right. People subconsciously see through a sociopath's smile. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to um, say, like, it has to be a non-creepy smile. You know, it has to be right. like a, you know, and I, I think you're your right. Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> in your nose, in your eyebrows. Right, like, right, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's, I think it's an under, uh, the, I think I, what was interesting to me is they were talking about, he, or there's some of the stories in there about the training programs for people who are on the phone all the time how they trained mm-hmm. them to smile while they were on the phone or sound like they're smiling, basically like you want the smile to come through the phone. And so it, it's, uh, that was interesting to me just because it's like, Hey, you don't have to be even in, like if you just are in your office by yourself and you're making phone calls to people, um, I found that it's worked for me just for customer service. They probably get a lot. I mean, if I had to guess, you know, a lot of customer service reps probably get, 75% of people yelling and are angry at them because they've been on hold all this time and they haven't got their question answered and, or they have a frustrating problem they're dealing with. And they, so they probably mm-hmm. get a lot of flack and not a lot of appreciation. So I always try to do that again, that honest, sincere appreciation. I try to, when somebody helps me, I was like, I, instead of just saying like, all right, thanks. Bye. Like I'll say, Hey, you've been very helpful today. I really appreciate it. And it's something that's just like slightly different than what, you know, putting some effort into the words that I'm saying. And I can say that I've heard people say like, oh, well, thank you. Uh, Yeah. Well, you have a great day then. You know, like they're very pleasant. Um, And that's even when I've had sort of not a great experience, like even when, you know, 
when somebody, I don't want to say isn't, isn't very helpful, but if they haven't been able to solve my problem or answer my question, I still am like, Hey, they're doing the best they can. So I'm trying to say like, I'm not going to criticize or condemn. I'm going to give them honest, sincere appreciation. And, uh, <laughs> and it's, I, I honestly, I think it's probably more for me than it is for them because I feel just good. I feel better when I hang up the phone and I say, Hey, thanks. I really appreciate your help today. And you have a good rest of your day or have a good weekend if it's a Friday or near there or whatever, you know? So um, at least somebody, hopefully somebody's day has been made in that exchange. Right. Even, even if it's just a little thing, I mean, even, even if it's just a little tiny nudge that they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that was a little tiny positive interaction I had today, you know? Um, you know, and that's try to do that. So, all right. So to, to a smile, Wait, wait. Oh, you want to say another? Do you want to say another? Are you still talking about smile? Yeah, yeah. There was okay. a call back to chapter two. And, and one of the things about this book is I think one of the reasons these stories are so great is because really they apply to more than just the principle in which they're given, right? They're, yes. they're not just like a, a siloed microcosm of this one example. Like if if you read through the whole book and then you read these examples from from start to finish you start like yeah. oh this they they use this principle this principle and right. that principle yeah um and then this is one of those examples where it says his enthusiasm aroused in us an eager want for the insurance policy even though we still did not have the details yeah right so like and that enthusiasm would have came through you know in a smile and body language yeah um, and so on but yeah okay. that's why i'm having Next. a hard time discussing this because it's I'm almost like, uh, I don't want to talk about that because it's spoilers, you know, like for other stuff coming up, but it's sort of, that's sort of how this is. It's sort of woven together in a mesh. And, uh, and so certain things, like you said, the stories at the very beginning apply to other concepts. So, so number three out of the six ways to make people like you remember that, that a person's name is to that person, the sweetest and most important sound in any language. So in essence, the, uh, uh, some people would call it like a trick, but you know, the, the, you use somebody's name in your conversation. And I will say that I do this, but I, I, I'll say it's genuinely from a perspective of, I'm trying to remember the person's name. So I'll use their name so that I remember it. And granted, it probably sounds good to them, but, uh, but at the same time, I'm using it for a technique for myself so that next time I can be like, okay, that person's name is Jeremy or Jim or whoever, you know? And, yeah. uh, but, but yeah. Well, Brian, I mean, tell me more about the, the etymology of your name. Like, do you know what your name means? <laughs> I see what you're doing. Am I pronouncing it right? Is, Is it pronounced Brian? 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 Yeah. No, I mean, it, it makes sense, though. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're, it's a familiarity. It's a, I, again, going back to my example a second ago in talking to customer service people, I try to like when have a pen in my hand. And when they say like, Hey, uh, you know, thank you for calling this blank insurance company. This is Jenny. How can I help you? You know, I write down Jenny and throughout that conversation, I'm like, Oh, thanks Jenny. I'm Brian. And here's my, here's mm-hmm. what I need to, ha-, you know? And, um, and then at the end of the phone call, when I'm doing that thing, I'll, a lot of times we'll say like, well, thanks Jenny. I, I really appreciate your help today. You know, I, I work that in, uh, for us, the same thing, like I said, it's as much for me to feel good about the interaction as they are, but I'm hoping that maybe they get something out of it. Um, yeah. and so it's, uh, interesting to me. And you're, that's the thing though, is you're hoping they get something out of it, not you're hoping to get something out of it. Right. Right. Like that's right. And, 
and he's he says that throughout the book too it's like that all this stuff is um i guess some uh, things i do in relation to this principle yeah is whenever i'm at a restaurant like i get the server's name yeah right? like oh, and and i'm even admittedly like if i forget like I, hey i need your name again i'm sorry are you and then yeah and then when the thing's over or throughout the meal i'm like thank you Greg yeah. or you know, thank right. you, Jenny. Um, but then another one, and this happens a lot working in like IT and with people who are either offshore or onshore, but just yeah, not not from around here, so to speak. Um, <laughs> th- they've probably worked with enough of us Americans to know that we're not going to get their name right. They're, yeah, yeah. They s- will say they're used to it. Um, but at the same time, I, I would say it's probably closer to jaded or yeah. on the spectrum. It leans more. And it, obviously, every individual is different. Some people are bothered by it more than others. But yeah. as the book says, everyone finds their name the sweetest um, sound. Um, so I'll, I'll ask, like, how do I pronounce your name? And <laughs> yeah, how 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 be, how should I best pronounce your name? Right? And yes, they can tell me, and I'll repeat it back. And it's like, how close did I get? And they'll say pretty close. And, you know, we make a conversation out of it. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing though, right? Now I'm getting, I'm getting them, quote unquote, yeah. to right. talk about themselves. Right. And I'm showing genuine interest in them because their name is a part of who they are. Yeah. Uh, but it's an easy segue then to talk about, well, you know, does that mean name mean anything yeah. in your, your home country, your home language, or, did, you know, is that a name of significance in your family? You know? And yeah. Yeah. Now we're like, well, and it, yeah, and there's a story. The time the meeting starts, he know? tells that story in there about somebody who goes by Nick, but their their actual name is like Nikolos Papopoulos or something. I I I know I'm completely yeah, yeah. butchering the name, but uh, <laughs> which is ironic because because <laughs> that would not that would yeah. not be good to do. So don't do what I just did, people. There. <laughs> right, <laughs> but no. So he he uh you know the person the interaction was man nobody ever calls me by my full name. And, and that's like the person really appreciated it. And so it, uh, mm-hmm. everyone just called the person Nick because it was easier for them. You know, it was almost like a selfish thing on their part. Like, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm just going to call him Nick. You know, that's yeah, I, and I, now, sounds, now, now it sounds like I'm threatening you or something. Like I'm, I'm belittling you just because I'm using Nick, but it's not there. Legitimately in the book, there was a guy named Nick. So I remember, uh, I remember. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> Nicolodopolis, Papadopoulos, or something. Yeah, was, right, exactly. Ryan, yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was. So, um, I think that's good. I, I think, like I said, I, I feel like, I feel like you wor- you can work that in. Um, and the next one's a big one, though. I think. Um, and and this is we've already sort of touched on this, so maybe we can talk about it. Uh, in in relation to the other things, but it's basically be it says be a good listener, encourage others to talk about themselves. I mean, we've already sort of. T- touched on this but mm-hmm. it really is uh, i like i said people who even don't really like to talk about themselves if you hit the right subject and you get them in, in and sort of pull it out now i've i have had interactions with people where it's just li- almost literally like it's figuratively like pulling teeth you know it's <laughs> it you it's not literally uh but you, you you know it's really hard to get them to talk at all I'm even sure, if it's about I'm the- sure dentists have a hard time getting people to talk about themselves when they pull in the <laughs> right <pigeons> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i feel like you know there there's you try to try these things and some people 
you know, like I said, some people might not just not be comfortable talking at all, uh, let alone mm -hmm. about themselves. So, but I also think mm -hmm. that the first part of this is more important is what we talk about in Toastmasters is be a good listener. So if you notice, it's not, it's not only just encourage others to talk about themselves, it's you have to be present for that and you have to actually be listening and taking that information, like be a, an interested listener of what they're talking about. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the more important part of this than in getting somebody to talk about themselves is just, because even if they're not talking about themselves, you still need to be a good listener. Yep. I think that's, so, that's one of the hardest, um, what is it in today's day and age with, I don't know the, I know like the wealth gap is expanding and such, but as far as in, in terms of comfort and things, you know, the, the rising tide is lifting all boats where yeah. most more and more people with every generation is getting a quote comfortable salary. Right. Right. And money is becoming less of an object. I feel like what's more important and is are things like appreciation and attention. Cause that, that's what people crave, right? Like mm -hmm. people want money because of what it can do for them. But you know, even like, social media and mobile apps are yeah. craving your attention They're, They want your eyes on their screen. Yeah. Um, but that's also what anybody wants is yeah. eyes on the scene, right? Like that. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that. I feel like even mom, if people mom, are mom, 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 mom. <laughs> well, and I feel like if, even if people are, they say that they don't want it. I think people do crave human interaction. I think there are some people who have a longer tolerance for going without human interaction. Like they could sit in a room by themselves a lot longer. Right. I'm not one of those people. I, I, I would go mad like in the first 20 minutes. But uh, but there are some people who have a longer tolerance. But at some point, they're like, I need to be around human beings. Like I need to be around someone else like physically and and interact with those people. And it the interaction is much better if it's a good one and it's an interesting interaction. And, and so th all this does, all these things is, you know, people are liking you because they're feeling like they're having a good human interaction. And I think that's what these are all tailored to try to elicit uh, out of the, out of the interaction. So, yeah. I think another, another element of the true currency among humans would be goodwill. And a lot yeah. of these behaviors are, are that they're sort of, Gaining good, gaining goodwill or appreciation or attention for yourself by giving it. That's one of the cool things about this kind of currency is yeah. the more you give these things genuinely, the more you receive these things genuinely. Right. You're kind of playing the long game, right? Because if I'm asking you a lot about yourself, it might be, no, no, not you particularly, but just speaking generally, like it might be two or three hours before the topic gets to me. Right. right. So it might be two or three conversations <laughs> before the That's topic right. gets to me. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, or it, it might be another form of goodwill later down the road. Like it's hard to know how it'll manifest itself, but that person, when they need somebody who does the things I do, they're going to think of me first because they like me so much. Right. Like, right. And I don't, I don't really care how it manifests itself. I know that I'm creating good things in the moment yeah. and I'm creating good things for later. Um, and everybody's winning in both interactions. So it's like, yeah. it's, yeah, it can be very beautiful as opposed to manipulative yeah. when it's quote, genuine, right? Right. 
Well, so the next one is somewhat similar is uh, number five is talk in terms of other per- of the other person's interests. And yep. I think that sort of goes hand in hand with with uh, with some of the other things. But it, this is more, I guess, more specifically towards. I call this the what's in it for me. Thing, mm-hmm. and this is this one uh, skews a little bit toward tor- more towards sales or, you know, you're trying to like the, I know a lot of the stories in this this arena or this in this portion of the book were talk they were talking about you know you going in on a sales call and saying here's why this here's why it's important for you to have this and you get that you know you basically talk in terms of the other person's interest so they understand hey it's not what i'm getting out of it yeah i'm i might be getting something out of it but really let's talk about what you get out of it and let's start there first mm-hmm. and then maybe the maybe the conversation migrates to yeah but you're also getting something out of it too but you've already, you've started with their interests in mind so right. I, I think too it can accelerate um understanding of what's being asked right because yeah. people spend and it, it's, what is it they're if, unless they're working on like as the quote said unless they're working on some particular problem solving a particular problem yeah about 95 percent of the time they're thinking about themselves so if you come to them talking in the frame of mind they're already in talking yeah. about how you can help them solve a particular problem they have. Yeah. That covers both bases. Right. <laughs> and right. So they're going to be, they're going to readily understand what you're talking about. They're going to connect yeah. the dots really quickly to how to help them. Um, and <clears throat> at least be more interested yes. in entertaining the conversation. Whereas if you talk about what's in it for you first, they're, it's you're now a distraction, right? They're, yeah. they're operating from the assumption that you're a distraction to them. Right. That this is something I need and not something they happen to also need. Yeah. I think there was one, one story in here where he got a letter from a company that was talking about, it was a radio station or something. And it was saying, Hey, I, we need to, they started out the letter by saying, we, our goal is to get this many listeners per year. Or so I forget what it was, mm-hmm. but it was, right. they were talking about their goals. And then at the right. end, he was like, Oh, and by the way, yeah. yeah. And then at the end, he was like, P in the PS, he, it was, Oh, and by the way, you also get this other thing. If you do this, like if you sign up with us, then you get this recognition or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I think it was and, super vague too. Like, and we know yes. that in, if you contribute to this, it'll be a mutually beneficial thing. Like, okay, yes. how will it be yeah. mutually, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, and he made the point is like, why didn't you start with that? Why didn't you start with what was in it for me? And then say, Hey, by you signing up, you're going to be one of the people that signs up with our radio station to make us the biggest one in the market. And that's going to be beneficial to you because the biggest one in the market has the most listeners and maybe your product gets out there or your service or your message gets out there. So, you know, it, it's, uh, he was just, I think that it's a, you know, valuable tactic, um, Again, all mm-hmm. these have to be, they have to be genuine, of course. But, um, and so the last one in this section is make the other person feel important. And, uh, and, and, and what, is there another part to it? Yeah. And do it sincerely. Oh, and do it sincerely. Okay. So, uh, I, I, I was implying that was implied. Uh, <laughs> I think in this section, I think there was a story about him yeah. wanting to get a, or somebody wanting to get a call to a, um, like make a, make a sales call or something to a CEO or manager or president of a company. And that person had a really good secretary. And so the person went about 
getting to know that secretary. I may be misplacing this in the book, but I'm pretty sure that it was in this section that he was talking about his secretary. Um, that person got to know the secretary and the secretary's kids and what the secretary's interests were. And then also said, Hey, by the way, I'd really love to get a meeting with your boss. And then the secretary was softened up a little bit and was like, okay, well, let me see what I can do. And ended up <laughs> getting the, you know, get, getting the, getting that, you know, that Dale call Carnegie so. makes it sound much less manipulative. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I, it's terrible. <laughs> I, he really does it. Please people don't, don't think that. And I don't, I mean, and honestly, like for, for all of these things, I feel like I try to use these things in my life, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't consider myself somebody that, has any desire to manipulate anyone. In fact, in, in, in my sales right. sales career, I'm really ultra soft sell in terms of, Hey, I know that I can help you with whatever service or good that I'm selling, but ultimately you're the one that has to make the decision. If you, if you don't think that I can help you, mm-hmm. then go find somebody who does, who can help you because I'd rather have you be with somebody that you like and that you want, you know, that you trust and feel like confident with than mm-hmm. just, be you know to be with me because um so well and, you know. and i think that's uh i think it's it's coming the when when i laugh at it i laugh at the humor of it because i know you're not manipulative and i know this book isn't manipulative but i'm, I'm right. laughing at that disconnect and i think part of the reason it sounds that way is because it's abbreviated right yes like we're we're not um how to say the more direct the communication, the yes. more abrupt the communication, the yeah. more terse it sounds. Right. And so the fewer words you use, the less context you yeah. have. Yeah. It's just, and, and I think one of the things that's implied in all of these quote tactics is you, you have to just surrender the outcome. Like that person, like this story is a bit of a survivorship bias problem in that. Yeah. There's probably a hundred other stories of similar individuals doing similar things and yeah. not quote getting the contact with the big boss. Right. right. Like, right. Um, but chances are, are good, these, some other good came out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and these in are way, all the success just, stories. Yeah. And, and so when you, when you do these things, you, you got to remember you we're doing the good for that secretary. You're giving that attention yeah. to the secretary and it's up to them whether they do anything in kind, you can't control right. them. That's right. Um, you can't yeah, well, and, and that and time tr- with the boss. And I think you hit on that is like, if you're going into this to try to control, then that is a manipulation. You know, you're, if you're trying to force someone mm-hmm. to do something again, what's the quote you said of, uh, someone convinced a man convinced against his will is of uh, the same opinion still. Right. Yeah. So it, you haven't done anything there. You haven't influenced anyone. You, you like maybe for a split second, but when they find out that it was a manipulation, then everything gets unraveled. So it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you're all you're doing is you're actually making enemies and not influencing people. So, which is a, which is the, uh, the ugly counterpart to this book is, you know, how to yeah. not make friends and not influence people. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's like how to lose friends and alienate people is actually right. a book that was written and published. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so that being said, the, the last, um, so for these first two sections, we're going to be, doing another episode about the next two sections of the book. And um, the thing that I've found, and I'm sure we'll get more into it in the next episode, is, and it's something that I really believe in, is that your whole life 
the only thing I think that really matters at the end of the day is your relationships with people. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm sorry. (laughs) I had to, um, no, the 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 Watch old our pet peeves uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It was a it was a callback from like thirty episodes ago. Um, <laughs> so uh, no, but I think I think that the thing that matters is the relationships because again, going back to what you were just talking about is, and a lot like, and the reason why I go back to these in, these examples of sales is because he seems to have sort of a there's a lot of salespeople who are using these techniques, right? And it was their job to influence people. So they're going to be interested in workshops named to influence. Right. Right, Exactly. But, but here's the thing is that you can, uh, you know, if you, if you build that relationship, if you build that, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's built on a strong foundation of sincerity and obviously the, the honest and sincere appreciation and you doing all these things really out of the goodness of your heart, uh, again, you're still going to have the relationship even if you don't make the sale. But if you build this on a bad bad foundation and then you make the sale, maybe you made a quick buck, maybe you got your goal for that quarter, but now you don't you can't make another sale. And also that person's yeah. not going to tell other people to go buy stuff from you. So mm-hmm. uh so it's same thing in life is like, hey, when people find out who you really are, then that is going to get spread. And so you, what, so what, you have to make a decision about who do you want, how do you want people to see you? You know, how do you want people mm-hmm. to, to react to you? And you can't make everyone like you, you know, but at the same time, you, you can certainly be a pleasant person. Um, and I, I don't know where this comes in, but it's one of my favorite poems and I'll, and I'll let you close after this, but I can't remember if it was in this first part of the book or the second part of the book, but it was, I'm going to read it. It says, I shall pass this way, but once any good that I can do or any kindness I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it for I shall not pass this way again. And he, he talks about that somewhere in the book. Uh, I don't, I, like I said, I can't remember if it's part one or part two, but one of my favorite poems ever, cause it's short, it's sweet, but it's also sort of the essence of who I, how I would like the world to see me. I would like, if I died tomorrow, I'd want people to be like, Brian was a good guy. You know, like maybe I didn't agree with everything Brian said, or maybe, uh, you know, I would have done things differently than Brian, but I just want people to say like, yeah, Brian's, he was a good guy. Like he was, he was a kind, he tried to be kind. He tried to help people. He tried to do all these things. And, uh, and so that's the kind of thing. It's like, if you can read that every morning and say, okay, let me just try to like be kind to people throughout the day. I think, I think things work out for you in the end, you know? Um, and, and so. Yeah. I'll let you close. What do you got? I think you closed fine. We would love your attention, appreciation, and <laughs> criticism and condemnation via Absolutely. email or Instagram. Yeah. We've got email help yourself at brianick.com. Yep. And I forget our Instagram. It's at help at, yourself the podcast. Here we go. Thank you. And that's probably yeah. in our outro too, but that's fine. Yeah. You'll hear it twice. If you've, if you're still listening, it's that, it's that nice. (laughs) All right. Next time. Part two. See ya. No, I won't see ya. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from help yourself. 
you can follow on Instagram at helpyourselfthepodcast. And to contact Brian and Nick, email helpyourself at briannick.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.